Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. It's summer 2002. The first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire debuts. Elon Musk found SpaceX. And a show called American Idol debuts. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to have some words about that in the future. But this is Now That's What I Call Music, Volume 10. Double digits, baby. We play this song on the radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Now and Again. This is Now That's What I Call Music, Volume 10. And uh, with us today, an old friend of mine, uh, a ghost from a previous episode. You might remember him from the Best of 2016 episode. Uh, it's D. D. how are you? Kind of ghost from a previous podcast. God, it's like a eulogy. Hey, hey, uh, how's it going? <laughs> uh, it is going well. So for those uh, who aren't uh, like one of the five people who listened to our old podcast, we had a bad movie podcast. Um, way back in the day, uh, and we had a good time on that. And it's it's a uh, uh, Pam, previous guest, was on that as well. And uh, it's nice to have these little reunions here and there. Yeah. Have you had Rob on yet? Is he um is he scheduled in? No, but uh, I don't know if he listens to this. But Rob, I'm putting you on blast. You got to get it on this uh, on this podcast one of these days. D. Uh, yeah. So you were also you were almost on episode two, the cursed episode uh, that had a very difficult time getting made. Um. If you had to compare the, uh, these two soundtracks that I forced you to listen to, uh, Now 10 and Now 2, uh, even though you didn't get to talk about 2 on the air, uh, which one's better? Um, I, I would say, honestly, the last one, only because I have way more written down to talk about for this one. Well, the last one was just like, I mean, a lot of it was just like, oh, no, this is like a really good song. Like, we'll probably talk a little bit about the music video. And like this, there's a couple of parts of my notes here where it's just like, what the fuck were they thinking? Like, why why is there so much goddamn CGI in this entire fucking album? There is a lot of early 2000s, like, Attack of the Clones CGI all throughout these music videos. It, it's insane. It's pretty hideous. And we will definitely get deeper into that. Uh, and I'm with you. This This now is kind of... Kylie Minogue plus Shakira plus a bunch of other people. It's 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 the B sides. It's like the um like the shit tracks from a lot of relatively good musicians that have like in some cases been. Fe- you know what? Actually, Thousand Miles is also pretty good. But I I mean I just like that song in general. But you know other than that, like yeah, there's a bunch of just crap on here. Yeah, it's not one of the best albums. Um, the pop is like you said, kind of uh, B sides, etc. From a lot of artists, and the rock is. Ooh, and we will get to that. We will get to one of one of history's greatest monsters um, at the end of this album. <laughs> but let's uh, let's talk about context. Summer two thousand and two. D, where are you in your life? Um, I have. Well, this is. I mean, this is embarrassing, but everybody knows this already. I have just started playing D anD D for the first time. Um, I am. I am slowly becoming a nerd's nerd and just expanding outwards. Um, as as a person, both in terms of my interests in things and my physical self. Um, so yeah, no, it was sophomore year in high school. It was a, it was a wonderful, magical time. I imagine that we did spend a lot of that summer uh, throwing dice around basements. That's a, that's a podcast on its own. That is a podcast on its own. And you know what? I ain't ashamed of that at all. It's just, it is funny because there were these kind of, I felt like this dichotomy of a life that I was living. Like I was going to punk shows and stuff like that and spiking up my hair and like, and, and loving that, but I was also playing D&D and keeping that part from, like, my punk friends. But then I was also, like, listening to a ton of pop music at this time and keeping that from everybody because you're 15. And Yeah, no, like, you you were, you were, because I remember this, and you, you were at that time the punk guy who was also a gigantic fan of one of the musicians that is on this album. I was cranking her album in, in my car constantly around this yeah. time. Yeah, oh, oh, now I own it. Back then... You had to be a pretty close friend to know um, that that I was spinning that and some of her other back catalog at the time. You had to be a, a really close friend to remember that you actually had a D&D character whose name was Fair Kai Min because you were a fan <laughs> of Liz Fair and Kyla Moog. There you go. And there now you. that's recorded for posterity. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There, there's the merging of my two uh, gross lives, uh, D&D and pop music. Yeah, I, I, actually, <laughs> I actually specifically remember that. I was coming to a game. I had no idea 
what I was going to call my character, and uh, I just, like, looked up, I pulled down the uh, the thing that blocks out the sun, that little, and I had that CD case there, and I just looked at the ter- the first two ones, and it was, like, there was a bunch of punk ones, and there was Kylie Minogue and Liz Fair, and I just went, yeah, yeah, smashed it up, that sounds like a really dumb, I, actually, it might have been a Star Wars RPG character name. Um, no, no, that was that was for the Amnesia um, game that I ran. Oh, like, okay. I mean, way way back when. Yeah, yeah, and I just looked up, and I was like, yeah, let's I remember smash that those was, two and together, the, the George Lucas School of Naming Characters. Yeah. Well, the, the craziest part was that wasn't even the most ridiculous name that somebody came up with for that game. Uh, this was 2002, and I had just been gifted my first uh, CD that I had not purchased for myself, which I think was Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory. Nice! Yeah, um, I, I listened the shit out of that CD. So you definitely weren't doing any secret deep dives into pop music like I was? Oh, God, no. Okay. No. I, um, I think... The first CD that I ever bought with my own money that wasn't just like something that I got from my parents or got as a gift was Sting and the Police, the best of. And then in a proud family tradition of picking up CDs that you think are one type of CD and are another, I accidentally got a tribute to Hoobastank instrumental album, <laughs> which I still have somewhere. Um, oh, boy. It's a it's a proud family tradition. We actually have an, a cassette tape of all of the music from Aladdin in Spanish. Because <laughs> it was being sold at work and mom didn't read it carefully enough and so we have it and it's amazing it's actually a really good album but um but it's it's something that we still talk about that is uh that is uh, and i hope she never listens to this that's a mom as hell action right there (laughs) and we'll we'll talk about some other stuff about this time and about us as it comes up naturally but let's talk about miss britney spears with overprotective starting to feel like after maybe two songs about how miserable you are as a pop star that it becomes a call for help and not just a song oh absolutely i mean this is this is the this is the beginning of the end for her as a pop musician um because i mean what was what was it any of her stuff like around this was toxic around this well Um, see this is where you're a little bit wrong because we're hitting this low point but she's going to rebound with toxic oh i could have sworn toxic was before this no 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 Oh, this is like the Britney slump in the mid to like the early 2000s. Yeah, this is like the last remnants of the singles that they could pull off of Oops, I Did It Again. And it's it's oh, no, I guess it's on the Slave Free albums. This is off the Britney album. And we mm. are pretty desperate for singles at this point. Yeah, no, I, I, I believe that because I mean, this is just it's a bad Britney song, which is a bad song. So the singles for this album started off with I'm a Slave for You and that peaked at like three or four. And then slowly each single after that like drops exponentially like the next one's gonna top at like 35 the next one at like 90 and this is kind of a real slump period for britney spears and i think this is kind of because the sound of pop music is changing a little bit it's in transition and this song doesn't sound like anything it's it she's kind of trying to play catch up to christina aguilera's like grown-up pop girl thing too and like at least with the way the music video is like the way the the, this entire album is like basically just trying to catch up with um where where christina aguilera went after like that initial genie in the bottle kind of stuff came out yeah and pop in general is kind of moving away from that choreographed dancing thing with the boy bands dying and she's gonna have to find a new gimmick really and she can she's gonna get to the point where she can just be Britney Spears, but right now she still feels like she's being a pop girl instead of her, if that makes sense. She's singing in a she's singing in a Bollywood movie. It you know what? If you told me that this was right after two people catch eyes across the room, uh I would completely <laughs> completely believe it. That that is essentially what this this entire feel of this is. There's not a lot to say, in my opinion, about this Britney Spears song. No. Um once again she's singing about how much she hates being a pop star and it's knowing what we know now, it's actually um it's kind of sad. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, and we don't know how much of these songs she was actually writing, but I mean, it would make sense if she had some sort of at least lyrical. I'm sure she input. had some editorial, yeah, like l- lyrical or editorial input on them. Because I mean, she's still at the end of the day got to sing them. Yeah, exactly. It's just uh, there's nothing going on here. It it sounds very mechanical. It sounds very overproduced. And there's a couple of times they put this weird like phaser audio effect over her voice and it's out of place. It, it's really just for the yeah. sake of having some more shit that they can put on it. it. It's like, it's almost like they, they were starting to lose confidence in her voice, which is weird. Cause I mean, like it's 2017 and she's 
like got a permanent spot in Vegas and is doing really well for herself. Good on her. And yet somehow in 2002, they were like, oh, no, like this is like the start of the end. Well, I mean, you kind of you kind of uh, hinted at this idea of Brittany and Christina having these parallel uh, parallel career paths. And everyone always knew that Christina was the singer and Brittany was the performer. We've we've discussed this a lot. and It's been a lot of liner notes that when Brittany doesn't have some kind of effect on her, sometimes she can be a little pitchy or a lot pitchy. Yeah. She's not the best singer. She's a performer. And that matters. Not the best. Yes, it absolutely does. But yeah, um, I, I kind of agree with you that maybe they felt like they were losing confidence in her or they saw that the times were changing. And I mean, we're going to get we're going to get a revitalization of Britney um, temporarily because we're going to get toxic, which is, you know, an all time great. But then there's going to be a, a harsh decline. Yeah, no, I, I I don't know. Maybe maybe saying that they were losing confidence is like too fine a point on it. Like it definitely sounded more overproduced than her other stuff, which is already pretty. Produced. Yes. Oh, completely. A hundred percent. It's very heavily compressed. Yeah. There's there's a very specific sound with pop at this time, and I, and I can only describe it as like you can hear it the most in the percussion. Like it doesn't sound like drums. It sounds like someone hitting a pipe in a warehouse. Yeah, yeah. It totally. So- it it definitely sounds like that. But it just didn't did not sound good at all. It's just this sound that they were going for it, and there's not a lot of uh, they, they take a lot of the bass out of these songs as well, so they sound mm-hmm. very hollow. Which, when she already has a very nasal voice, means that there's a lot of air throughout the song, and that's not really what you want in a pop song. But that's what they were doing a lot no. of at this time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I mean, I guess that can segue us into um, the next song because everything that we just said, this song does the opposite. It's Kylie Minogue's Can't Get You Out of My Head. Uh, this is one of the best pop songs of the 2000s. You will, you will not find me disagreeing. This is now that's what I call weird fucking music videos. Let's talk about the music video a little bit. Uh, we kind of. So I feel like I, I feel like I have to because I feel like if we're going to talk about this song, I'm just going to keep bringing it back to that. Yeah, it's just bizarre. It looks like something out of. I mean, like we said this off air. It sounds like something out of Ultraviolet. Yeah, or, or it looks like something out of Ultraviolet. Aeon Flux, or like uh, Equilibrium, or any of those fifth like weird dystopian. Yeah, the Fifth Element. I mean, somebody had to design these costumes, and then somebody had to pay like real dollars for them, uh, and then real pounds, sir. Okay, yeah, real, real, real pounds. Real pounds sterling and have people like put them on. At the same time, though, I mean, maybe I don't always remember this video, though I don't think about it too much. It's unique, especially compared to everything else we're doing on this yeah. album or even in uh, like the last five now albums. They're trying something different. And even if it doesn't uh, especially land, it's better than just someone singing at a camera and dancing, which I mean, is kind of happening here. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like if you wanted to counterpoint this to another really good song that has a really like meh music video of like um uh, great greatest mistake or favorite mistake by Sheryl Crow favorite mistake yeah because like that I mean that's another fantastic pop song from the late nineties but it's a garbage music video because it's just her singing right at least that video that's just kind of her in a room that at least kind of fits the tone of the song and the mood of the song whereas like overprotected a bunch of people having fun and dancing in a warehouse is not necessarily encapsulating the idea of please help me i'm a pop star no one will let me have my own life and i i can't i can't understand i'll never understand the concept of like there are people who are actually paid to direct these things like they are credible directors and some of them actually go on to become real uh, directors. david fincher like you know he started with music videos yeah yeah exactly I guess you're right. Like, it is a little, at least inventive. Like, they're at least doing something here that, that fits the song somewhat, I guess, a little bit, kind of. I like that it feels like there was more put into it than, uh, let's choreograph something and we'll rent a warehouse and we'll dress it and we'll shoot it extremely flat and you'll sing at the camera. Well, that's also because, like, I mean, this is being shot in England, so as you're saying, like, I'm sure it costs a whole lot more to rent a warehouse in pounds than it does to rent a green screen room. Well, uh, you know, Attack of the Clones was being filmed in England at this time, so they probably just rented out, like, uh, some of George Lucas's giant green warehouse and were like, hey. 50 quid and you can (laughs) film for the weekend. It is hideous. Like, it's just, but all 2000s CGI does not hold up. Um, This is not the worst of what we will get on this album. And a lot of stuff is doing that. Um, Again, another thing along with choreographed dancing that I'm glad is kind of gone from music videos is this uh, over-reliance on gross CGI. 
they're relying on something other than like the 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 pure like visual smorgasbord of a bunch of shit thrown at you on the screen which is like they're relying number one on a good song and they're relying on like i don't know like trying a little bit to be something kind of unique but i guess maybe not that unique considering how much cgs and the rest of this yeah i mean it's a trend that's happening but at least it looks it's not as aggressively bad cgi this is just backgrounds where that that like that's clearly cgi they're clearly on a green screen but there's some videos we're going to do that's just almost entirely like they're riding cgi motorcycles and flying through cgi cityscapes and it it looks like it's something from playstation 2 they're standing on cgi clouds as like yeah something i noticed um, and that I want to talk about with what Kylie Minogue does as an artist in a music video. The way that the camera works with her. Um, Britney Spears does a lot of singing into the camera. In Britney Spears' video, the camera kind of... It really feels like a lot of time it represents the male, the male gaze her? as well. Like, it's following, like, the curves of her stomach yeah. and, like, up her legs. And there's that shot in that one video where she just bends over and shows... Uh, like monster cleavage and that's all well and fine there's a long history in pop of that and that will never end don't get me wrong but here as opposed to the camera going at the artist Kylie Minogue you know this is probably her eighth or seventh album by this point she's been around since her cover of the locomotion in the 80s she is pop royalty by this point in 2002 wait that was Mm -hmm. a cover you just blew my mind. I, I always thought that was just her. Well, in the eighties, the, yeah, the, but the locomotion was based on like an old, an older song from like the oh, I never yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's, that's like a fifties or sixties. Oh, I was just oh wow. I, I always assumed that she just came nope, up. No, no, nope, no. Nope. That's a that's a cover. But she came from Australia. She was big there, big in in the UK. She is a goddess by this point. This is just her cementing her status and getting a foothold as small as it is in america america is not going to embrace her as much as they really should have uh, but again because i just think her sound is so different uh uk pop has a very different sound than what american pop was doing right now like uh it has like uh feeling to it it's got a beat it doesn't just sound like emotions yeah, exactly this song the sounds yeah. like that that dunk is the best way that i can kind of put it in the in the synth it just sounds yeah. so much unlike like nothing sounds like that in american pop right now uh, and by right now, I mean 2002. But to go to go back to what I was saying, she attacks the camera throughout this video. The camera is right. not coming at her and going up her body. She, the camera is stationary, and she is attacking it. She is aggressive, and that shows so much more confidence. Just this subtle sign of a pop star who knows what the fuck she's doing and has her own sense of self. Somebody like somebody who is very clearly. Um... I don't know. Did you, you said I think you said conference already, but like, con- yeah, like a self confidence, like mm-hmm. an assurance that she is like the fucking yeah, queen absolutely. of pop in uh, two thousand two. She's she slays throughout this. Her vocal performance is great, and Kylie Minogue. You know, we talked about Britney Spears is not the best vocalist. Mm-hmm. Kylie Minogue is not ever going to you know slay a, a, a national anthem with a bunch of runs up and down throughout. You know, that's a Christina Aguilera kind of thing. Kylie also has that kind of nasally voice that Britney Spears does, but I think her songs right. are so much more tailored to her strengths. Do you probably know this already? Like, she does a, lot, a fair amount of the writing herself, right? Like, it's not just, like, um, a team of people that hand her a song to sing out. That's a good question. I feel like by now, she's... Because, I mean, it seems... I would imagine that, like, part of the reason why... Well, I'm sure I'm sure now things have changed, but, like, I'm, I have a feeling that at least for, like, at her peak, it was like, okay, no, I'm just, like, I'm fucking Kylie Minogue, I'm going to sing this, and it's going to be great. So, like, she knows exactly what she's saying. Which is part of the reason why there's that, like, self-assurance and control there. Yeah, I'm looking at the um, song credits for Fever. She's got a songwriting credit on um, Love at First Sight, which is my favorite song off that album, and a couple of other of the big singles, like In Your Eyes. But on she does not have a songwriting credit on Can't Get You Out of My Head. Actually, you're right. At the same time, I feel like maybe when you're that... When you're that established, it's kind of like how by the time there's like a sixth season of a sitcom, they'll start looking at spec scripts because people who aren't on the writing staff can understand the characters enough that someone from the outside can still write a good script for a show. Um, Whereas in like the first season or two, even the writers in the writer's room are still trying to find. I feel like people at this point uh, who are writing for Kylie Minogue are like, we know how to do Kylie really well at this point. Like we know uh, how to tailor to her strengths how to continue on this kind of legacy of what she's been doing in the past and what works for her and what doesn't. Because uh, this doesn't sound that different from a song like Please Stay, which is which is like two albums before this. Yeah, no, I, I think um, I think you're right about that. Like she has, 
she has at this point because she's been in the business this long like she has her sound and even if she's not making it herself people know how to make it for her if that makes sense no it's a hundred percent and i think yeah. that's the sign of when you're long established i think i don't know if britney spears is ever going to put out another single again i think she's fine with her vegas shtick that she's doing which is great mm-hmm. um yeah but i feel like if she was to put out another song there are people who would be like we can write a britney song like we know what that formula is now whereas maybe right at this point only three albums deep maybe they didn't really know Especially because, like, I mean, she was definitely, I mean, that's the unfortunate thing of being a pop kid growing up, is that, like, you kind of have this expectation of what you're going to sound like, and then you reach a point of, like, putting out something like Toxic, and it's, I mean, it's not. It's it, it's a great song, but it's not, it's a different Britney. Right, yeah. If you took Oops, I Did It Again, and let's just say Overprotected, because it's here, and Overprotected and mm-hmm. Toxic, and put them all together, like, there's not a really a a line that consistent. goes through all of them. yeah there's not a consistent sound there especially with toxic where it's got that that killer synth line like what there were no killer synth riffs on like any other britney songs uh, and i don't even know if that's so much following the trend of pop at the time i guess we'll see I, I don't remember what else was around when toxic was coming out but um i am excited to get there but i was very excited to get to can't get you out of my head because uh i mean hey that describes the song it is one of the earwormiest pop songs yeah. ever that la 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 chorus i don't love la la's or yeah yeah's and nanas and choruses but sometimes it just works and when it works it gets in your brain yeah i mean the the opening the opening of this song is just as much of a grab like it just gets stuck in your head you know exactly what it is even if you're not into pop music as like I don't know, like the opening sax riff for Careless Whispers <laughs> for somebody who's not that into yeah. um, whatever the fuck genre that is. Uh, just, like everybody knows, everybody knows it. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, if I heard that opening five seconds of this song at, at a wedding or at a, at a bar after I have, you know, five or six drinks, I will become the loudest, screechiest white girl <laughs> and I will be out there on the floor making a fool out of myself a hundred percent of the time. Listeners, this is true. <laughs> this man has seen it. I've seen some shit. <laughs> It's a real thing. Well, uh, Miss Minogue, uh, I know you're listening. Uh, thank you for, for saving this album, because it is pretty dire <laughs> otherwise. And uh, if you have never listened yeah. to uh, the Kelly Minogue album that this is on, uh, Fever, it is it is fire all the way through. Uh, yeah. So check that out. Anything else about Miss Minogue? I, no, I, I, I feel like at this point we're kind of just saying as much as we can to not have to go on to the rest of this album. Yeah, there's some trash here, but I, you know what? I think we're kind of both in agreement that Enrique Iglesias' Escape... No, no, I, and I, I, you know, honestly, it was like, if, so if, if the last song was the peak of this album, and it's, it's definitely like a bimodal peak, cause we're gonna, I mean, in the next part of this, we're gonna get to the other really fantastic track on this album. This is like, just like a slight step down, I feel. Like, it's not the best track on this album, but it's not terrible. It's, it's actually really good. I like it. Yeah. Um, um there's not a lot moving to it through the music. Like, I don't know what was going on in North American pop that they just they just didn't put bass into their fucking songs no no it, it was like it was like almost like this fear of it if you put bass into it it would turn into something else like pop rock or something yeah i, I can't even like i don't even know and uh, was, they were just bass averse but what this song does have that you know we talked about it what separates toxic from a lot of those other songs is this song has a hook outside of just the the heart the the melodies the of the chorus exactly yeah this song has some memorable stuff to it and uh yeah, I think this is what he does best. Uh, I'm not a huge Enrique Iglesias guy. I don't know a lot of his deep catalog, but he does these kind of like personal singing directly to one person, sultry, like we're going to fuck now, but in a romantic way, yeah. songs. I mean, it sounds it sounds like a song that was written for somebody. Well, and the um, video does have his long time and I think possibly even still current girlfriend, uh, Anna Kornikova, all over it. Yeah, because some people have all the luck. Yeah, he's he is a good looking guy. I mean... They're, actually, yeah, I, I had to look this up. They are, in fact, still together. That's that's a long that's a long relationship because in the celebrity a, world. Oh, absolutely. You know, we'll be talking about Jennifer Lopez and Mark Anthony soon. Like Jennifer Lopez <laughs> has been through about six husbands in the time that Enrique and uh, Anna have been yeah. together. Good for them. Yeah, you know, more power to them. Uh, a music video that does have a man on a CGI motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the beginning of the CGI motorcycles for this album because this is not the first. I mean, this is the first, but it's not the last. 
Now, if we drink for every like CGI uh, mode of transportation, we'll be pretty drunk by the end of this. I mean, we'll be dead. If we go through all 23 of these, we'll be dead. Yeah, it's, I, I don't, I, once again, I just don't know. I don't understand, because it's not like the CGI motorcycle thing really does anything for the rest of the song. The, the rest of the song is essentially just this, like, hey, I'm into you and now we're going to fuck song. Uh, I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe some of why I think this song is good is because everything else around it is so bad, but um, I I think this song... No, I think it's I think it's just generally, like, a, a good, catchy song. Like, it's it's um it's got, like, a nice beat. It's got a nice... um like feel to like yeah like a, a nice like feel to it outside of just the repetition of the chorus you don't necessarily get a lot of that on the rest of this album and i can appreciate a good simple chorus. you could run you could hide but you can't escape my love uh that's that's the hook like that's the line like i, I feel like i could not hear this song again for another five years and when it comes on maybe i won't be able to sing every word but i'll know but you'll exactly know how to sing you that absolutely line. know that yeah one. exactly yeah it's a it's a solid song. Um, I feel like we're gonna be saying goodbye to Enrique Iglesias for a while. I could be wrong about that because now sometimes put on some weird shit. Uh, but I feel like the yeah. only other Enrique Iglesias song that we have not covered that I know is the really grody one about uh, him declaring that tonight he will be fucking you. Um, but that's a while oh, away. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that is that is a while away. Yeah. So um, we'll see you later, Enrique, unless uh, you decide to drop some uh, B sides on us. Uh, let's go on to Mark Anthony with I've Got You. Basically, Mark Anthony's the sweetest thing. It's every Mark Anthony song. Every one of his, I mean, I don't know Mark Anthony super well, but we've had three-ish songs of his so far, and I don't think I could tell the music video or the song apart. They all sound exactly the yeah, same. Just generic Mark Anthony. I mean the the lyrics are are kind of like um like an alternate universe version of wasn't me where it actually wasn't him. Oh yeah. Which I mean like I kind of appreciate that. It's a it's a clever thing that actually like you know to our point about the music video is not going with the the song. I mean that this is a music video that is absolutely written for the song and it, it works. Yeah, you're absolutely um, correct. It's yes. just not a very good song. Yeah, it's it's bland. And this guy was established you know, in in Central America at this time. He was a big Latin artist. So I feel like this is another case where, like, they knew his formula and they wrote to it. It's just that he's, like, a mom rock version of Enrique Iglesias. Well, I mean, like, I'm sure I'm sure he's popular in his own market. It's And it's just kind of like um like someone we're going to be talking about later who's also big in Latin America. It's just like, it's it's a sound that we're just not into here. Yeah, it's tough to cross over. Um, and yeah, you're, we're going to talk about a lot of artists who do that, that Latin invasion that is happening right now. We can't ignore that on any now for like the next year. Was there only room for one Enrique Iglesias and they had to go with Enrique Iglesias? Ah, that's a good question. Um when another country, when they do that invasion of another country, ah, they tried. You can tell that they really tried. They threw everything at the wall and saw what would stick. I just, I don't think Mark Anthony hit the same audience in America that Enrique Iglesias did. And I don't yeah, I, know I, how much of that is the song, how much of it is their physical look, persona, and marketing. Um, but Mark Anthony just, just seems like the mom version of Enrique Iglesias to me. Yeah, I can see that. Just kind of dull kind of exists uh i feel bad that i can't say more <laughs> and i also feel bad that uh, just kind of there is going to be something that i use for a lot of the songs on this now at least in the first half well because like the, i mean it should be it should be said because we're gonna we're gonna be hating on a lot of the songs on this album it's not that they're necessarily terrible it's just that they're not like they don't deserve to be on any kind of top chart anywhere. Yeah, and that's and that's pop. Pop is they're just not good. derivative. Like pop is uh, the Ouroboros. Yeah. Like it eats itself every time. And so you can only have so much stuff that sounds the same before you start to go. Yeah, I mean it's just another one. It's like another another Britney Spears song, another Mark Anthony song, another you know another NSYNC song. Oh uh, yeah, let's go into NSYNC's girlfriend. I do think that this sounds a lot different than any other in sync song, um, but this is it. This is the end. Yeah, but that's because that, that's because this is essentially. I mean, yeah, this is the end. But this is also because like this is essentially an in sync nice guy screed. And all the boy bands kind of did that because their target audience was you know fifteen year old girls. Sure. 
But I mean, like this this song wears a fedora. <laughs> well, this song uh, wears a beanie or two, or uh, a sideways baseball cap, or one of those newsies hats. Yep. Uh, if we're just going by what the members of NSYNC are wearing in this video, which I'm I'm fairly sure is just what they wear. Uh, I mean, yeah. they just walked on the set with it. And we're really passing the baton. Um, we've kind of always been talking about on this show how NSYNC was Justin and JC up front. This is really kind of where they're saying, yeah, they're going to be the two that are left in sync's uh, like going to be over. This is the passing of the baton. And even if they're kind of saying both of them are going to go on, like it's still the Justin show. And we've talked about it a million times. I don't know if it's worth going over again, mm-hmm. unless, you know, feel free to add to it because you have not gone over it. But I've talked about how in sync is just, it's clear that Justin is going to be the one who shoots right out the gate from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't have much to add because I, I completely agree. I think um, that was clear very early on. It's especially clear now that this is, I mean, this is just essentially Justin Timberlake and his backup band. It's not going to be as scummy as like how Destiny's Child worked, but it's still the way things are going to yeah. go. And maybe a lot of that is hindsight because of who Justin Timberlake is now. Like maybe if we were doing this uh, podcast in 2002, we would be arguing there'd be a whole EP dedicated to which member of NSYNC is going to be the breakout <laughs> and someone would be saying it's going to be uh, Lance Bass and we, we, we it might happen but we don't know yeah I don't know I mean I I, I agree because I mean if you told me in 2002 that Justin Timberlake was going to be singer songwriter and director uh, or actor Justin Timberlake I would have told you to go fuck yourself and I would have been very wrong if you told me that Justin Timberlake was going to have an appearance and a good appearance in a Coen Brothers movie I would I would tell you to go fuck right back off to the holodeck because there's no way that that's the real life (laughs) yeah and I mean he's and he's had good stuff other than that because like I mean a lot of people didn't like um was it in time but I, I thought it was okay so you would think that he could only play douchebags because he does that. And look, he's just super like, and he does that in Alpha Dog. He does that uh, yeah. excellently in uh, you know, in David town. Fincher's um, uh, uh, Social Network, where he plays the founder of um, uh, Napster, coming back around. Oh yeah, yeah. So like you would, yeah, you would totally expect him to be just like a a constant douchebag character is his niche. But no, he's got range. Yeah, he apparently. he's got good comedic timing i mean the, the stuff yeah. he does with the lonely island and we do just just fyi folks we are going to do an ep on the lonely island at some point because they've come up so often uh, i feel like we do need to kind of do a focus on them but he's got great comedic timing with them for i don't think justin timberlake was always able to laugh at himself there's that pretty famous episode of punked where he gets punked and uh mm-hmm. clearly switches on a persona the moment he knows just... that there's cameras on him i think now um... he can laugh at himself I would hope so. I mean, kind of have to have learned by now. When you have that much money. But at the same time, I mean, he, in, in another case of weirdly long-lasting pop music relationships, like, he's still with Jessica Biel and more power to Yeah, him. you know, for the entire, like, early 2000s being about Britney and JT, uh, J, JT did, did pretty okay for himself in that regard. And, uh, yeah, no, I, there's there's no one in this. Like, we could talk about how an artist, like, sucks. Like, they're not good. Or, you know, like we will Nickelback next episode or, <laughs> but not, nothing that we're saying. Just, just like not having a presence here. Nothing that we're saying is personal. It's it's not even like they're not good. They're just not yeah. here. Like, but we don't, we don't wish ill on any of these artists except uh, maybe Chris Brown uh, in like three years when we get to him. Well, uh, right. fuck that guy. Right. Uh, and I guess in some ways like R. Kelly, but whatever. Uh, but for the most part, like, <laughs> like I'm very happy. I'm very happy that, uh, you know, I'm sure Mark Anthony is doing great for himself, uh, and I'm glad that that is, that he's alive and that is a thing. I don't wish ill on him just because I think his songs right, suck. Right. Uh, and I, you know, I'm very happy that all of that, that Justin Timberlake's doing, doing great. Good for yeah. him. You, you don't have to worry about Justin Timberlake. But at the same time, he's, he's a, he's a shit zillionaire. I'm never going to worry about him. I just, you know, I want to clarify that we don't wish no. ill yeah, on these humans just because we definitely think not. that sometimes definitely they not. suck. I mean, look, I don't, I don't, I don't fundamentally even wish ill on like, some of the other people that we're going to be talking about today, like the Baja Men or B2K, I just don't like <laughs> what they do, and that's okay. I mean, I'm going to take a dig at uh, at this uh, very fake herb who's <laughs> singing the next song, uh, Jennifer Lopez, and I'm going to be all right. Because holy shit, you know, we talked about how does it take three songs before it becomes a cry for help? How many songs does Jennifer Lopez have to do 
or videos have to show how real and how from Brooklyn she is before we go, all right, you're trying a little too hard, right. rich-ass Jennifer Lopez, who probably has not been to Bed-Stuy in 40 fucking years, even though you're 41. <laughs> I couldn't even really get this song, because it just felt like a really shitty breakup song, if that makes sense. Like, like, like I get, I get now that we're talking about it, um, that it's like a, yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, and I'm doing good song, but... It actually, it actually sounded like it was just like a shitty, like, um, it sounded like she was breaking up with Brooklyn, if that makes sense. <laughs> it could be, but it's definitely a strong independent woman song. And I wonder how much of that is aftershocks of the success of Destiny's Child. Yeah, maybe. Because like her her early songs are very, like, dancey, like Waiting for Tonight. Uh, you know, a lot of her early stuff is just like, gonna go out and dance. This is a dance song. Everyone dance. And those were better. This is, you know, kind of snap and a head nod, and that's fine. Does but it... Destiny's Child, for about a year, has been doing yeah. that fiercely. And this... Like trying to catch that same magic? Yeah, a little bit, and it doesn't... It doesn't at all. Uh, I, I don't know if she's the kind of artist that should be doing that. No, absolutely not. Especially because especially she's fairly established at this point, and you can't... Right. Like, you can't do both. You can't do your, like, third, I'm, you know, Jenny from the block, and still... Yeah, no, you can't. Absolutely not. She's, I mean, look. Again, we don't hate these people. Uh, I don't know why I feel the need to... Re- I think because we're so negative on a lot of these tracks. And this one feels so forced and so fake. She's still Jennifer Lopez. Like the We talked about how Kylie Minogue and the Britney videos uh, knew how to work the camera around them. Mm-hmm. I mean, half of this video was like, hey guys, remember how hot Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez is? Remember that her ass is insured for like $10 million? <laughs> hey, hey, remember remember Jennifer Lopez? Guys, yeah. your body? Hey. It, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of male gaze in this. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that's this, that's gonna happen. Video. It's a um, it's actually like a little gratuitous. Oh, this is a very sweaty music video. This is I feel like uh, I feel like the director of this music video uh, was a really big fan of "Do the Right Thing." <laughs> yeah, because it's it's yeah, very think, orange. Right. It's very sweaty. It's very um. It's very like front stoop. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just it feels so forced. And the song, there's nothing to say about the song itself. It's boring. It's bland. Uh, lyrically, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. There's a bunch of artists doing this exact thing right now. And Jennifer Lopez, Jennifer Lopez barely even sings at this song. She's like sing-talking throughout yeah. most of it. Is there any long stretch of actual, like, singing in this? Or is it mostly just her talking to the camera? There's, like, the harmonies in the chorus, but... That's about it, Yeah, right? and that's not, yeah, there's nothing interesting here. And the instrumentals can't back it up. <laughs> I think we're done with this fucking song. I could be into that. And, you know, I... I Again, no ill will towards J-Lo, but we're just, we're just done nope. with the song. Well, you know, the Spanish invasion is not stopping because now refuses, uh, now is big into segregation. You know, they stick mm-hmm. them all in a row. Um, we got Paulina Rubio with Don't Say Goodbye. I don't remember this song. She is referred to by WikiWikiWawawpedia as the Latin Madonna. She is fucking huge. Um, really? And has been that she was at the time. She still is. She was. She's massive in uh, on Latin radio in Mexico. Uh, it just did not translate here like uh, Shakira did. Even like even Mark Anthony had a couple of hits. Uh, Paulina Rubio didn't make it, but I'm not gonna lie. This song is better than a lot of what we've heard. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll give you that. Like, I mean, I guess she's kind of like Latin Robbie Williams. Like, she's still big. She's doing great. She's doing okay back in her like um her home market, country. her home country, her market. Yeah. But um, but yeah, no, she just never caught on here, and I don't, th- I don't really understand why. Like, I, I don't want to keep making the same wisecrack, but it's kind of like there was only room for one Shakira. Yeah, and just like there was only room for one Enrique Iglesias. Right. Uh, this is also another video that is, this is the video that is entirely CGI. This music video has CGI motorcycles. Oh, yeah, no. CGI it, monorails. This it, is basically. It looks like, it looks like Reboot and Tron had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> this is Blade Runner meets Atlas Shrugged. <laughs> Just, it loves trains. Yeah, yeah, it really does. <laughs> I think if I had to guess why this song didn't take off, um, and I don't know where it charted in America. Um, fortunately, there's something called Wikipedia that can tell us that. It peaked in America at 31, so it at least broke the top 40. Top 40 mainstream went to 24, but it was like number one in Colombia, number five on the hot Latin charts, mm-hmm. uh, number six on the dance club songs. And that's actually kind of what I was going to say. This doesn't feel like a 2002 song. This sounds like a 1997, like, Nicky French cover of Total Eclipse of the Heart, kind of like mm, that yeah. That era of songs. Like, in fit. terms of, like, the beat and the feel. Yeah. It, yeah. 
it just seems like it's a little anachronistic. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like, and it's kind of it's kind of like this um like what you were saying earlier about pop meeting or a Boris that feeds on itself. Like, this is what people wanted right now, which is why it didn't catch. And if she'd hit this like maybe like five six years before, I think she'd still be big here now. Right, but I guarantee you, five or six years ago, the the fat old asshole white guy chomping on cigars was like, oh, we can't we can't market a Latin person in America. The, the musical equivalent of like Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And about that's a that. bummer. I mean, because this song's pretty good. Yeah, I dig this. It, it really is. It's catchy. And I feel like I, I, I feel like I kind of remember this song a little bit, but I also kind of feel like I remember it from like today's top dance hits, 25, 24, 25 dance tracks from around the world. <laughs> and like I feel like I remember like fifteen seconds of it from one of those commercials, maybe. Man, you really were into pop. I mean, I, don't, I feel like those commercials were everywhere. I no, I have no recollection of this song. But I mean, did it did it at least uh, catch your ear? Or am I alone in that? Oh no, I like it. It's definitely it's definitely a very catchy song. I just I it never ended up on my radar. No, I, I hope, but I don't think uh, Polina Rubio will show up again because, uh, like I said, just her uh, her American crossover did not uh, did not splash quite as quite as wide as a lot of the other artists we've covered and will cover on this album. Uh, and yeah, I think I think maybe we missed out on some decent pop. I dig it. I dig the song, but thanks for coming, Paulina Rubio. Now got its jock jams into our now. Let's move it like this by the Baja, man. Fart. Who decided that the Who Let the Dogs Out guys should have well, I guess, another uh, song that people have to hear? Some idiot in some marketing department somewhere who probably does not have a job anymore. This song belongs on Jock Jams. I mean, I just... And leave it there. It's just... It's it's a little bit catchy, but it's just so forgettable and so, like... I, I don't know. It's, like, catchy but bland, this if that makes sense. This is the song that should play for 30 seconds in a stadium during a TV timeout of a New York Knicks game. There's no yes. other place for this. It's just... It's it's yes. not a full song. It's an idea. It's... It, it's almost like a... It's almost like a sample track that they put out were not expecting to get released. That they were just expecting like a bunch of other people to sample for them, like from them. I mean, the I mean, does that make sense? Because I can totally see that, and it just it just seems like that's what happened here. Sure, because the beat sounds like sample number five on your Casio keyboard. Right, like you hit a button and this like plays for ten seconds, and that's all you're ever going to hear of it. Because why why would you ever hear any more of it? We're also you know we talked about how maybe Paulina Rubio that that sound fit in about five years earlier, and if it had come out, it would make this like Jock Jams. I think is is like five or six years away from this like this would have fit on a jock jams like this this doesn't yeah. fit now nobody nobody wants this right now no. i don't think i feel like i have to look at where this peaked. this did not peak in single digits this didn't chart in america it was number 11 in new zealand um numbers 16 in the united kingdom yeah like this got put in as a favor to somebody oh <laughs> It was used in a promo for Nick Jr. that aired during the world premiere of the Blue Clues special. Like, yeah, that sounds right. <sighs> wow. Yeah, like, that's exactly what this Holy song should be. 15 shit. seconds for babies <laughs> or 30 seconds while I'm ordering nachos from the third deck at, at a basketball game. Yep. We, we, we don't. And, and I mean, like, seriously, what is, what is with the home invasion turn house party thing in this music video? Because it's just like... Am I the only one who's a little uncomfortable watching that? Okay, so you found um, a music video for this I'm song. Just like, oh no, there's there's absolutely a music video for this song. Oh well, please uh, share. Tell tell me all about it. It's it. I mean, it's it's weird. Like they so they there's like um, it's like a frat party or a frat house rather. But like they the guys there just want to study or something, and then and it's like a bunch of white dudes, and then the Baja men show up and they essentially take the house over and turn it into a house party for this. Oh song. my god, I found it. It's, it's in like we, we've often said that the quality of song is directly correlated to the um, the resolution of the video, and this was very clearly yeah. ripped off someone's VHS, possibly one of the Bahamens' own VHS. <laughs> well, the video, at least, you know, if if the song is six years out of its out of when it would be worth listening to, the video is is just every video. There's a million videos about people coming into some squares parties and and turn it into a, a banger. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. It's just dumb. It is. I don't like it. It's dumb. Uh, there's nothing to it. Maybe it at that point in 2002, I was one of those squares that just wanted to study. <laughs> I can believe that. 
it just like resonates resonates too too uh too much with 2002d d does it surprise you to know that there's a kids bop version of this song it actually doesn't surprise me at all i mean this this is a song that is made for babies this is a song yeah this is a song for babies this is not uh this is this is barely music we've got Aaliyah with more than a woman More CGI motorcycles. I can't believe it. Is Did the people who were making now know? More CGI motorcycles. They were like, we just need as many CGI motorcycles as we can. <laughs> it's just... I, I, I almost I almost wonder if it was a thing where it was like... there Some guy came up with it for like one music video that maybe we haven't even seen. And everyone was just like, all right, we can just do that. Like, you just give us like the... I don't know, like the, um, <laughs> the program for putting dipshits on motorcycles and we'll just make it happen. He's like, this can't be a thing where, like, six different people were like, no, we need to have a scene. I think, like, an early version of some CGI editing software just came with, like, this default CGI motorcycle. And everyone's like, well, fuck it. Yeah. Yep. This video takes place yep. in a CGI motorcycle. It zooms yeah. into the tailpipe. That was... <laughs> They're performing yes, around, like... It does. It's... CGI pistons and shit. It's... It's, it's peak CGI motorcycle. We're, we've gone another another layer deep, folks. We've incepted yeah. the CGI motorcycles. <laughs> if we go into Aaliyah's brain from here, we'll see uh, Leonardo DiCaprio fighting Scary Terry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> despite that, this, this song is great. God damn it. Yeah, no, it, it is a really good song. It's it's not as good a music video as like her other some of her other music videos like Queen of the Damned, but it's it's still a pretty good music video for her. Yeah, this is the this is the last video she shot before she uh, went to film the video for Rock the Boat, which um, yeah, that was what ended uh, ended her life. Unfortunately, again, you know that this is a Timbaland song because for as good of an ear he had as a producer, Timbaland songs are all kind of Timbaland songs. But him and Aaliyah have to be one of the best singer-producer combos in history because yep. he just knew how to write for her. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they made magic together. And this is an exa- this is one ex- really good example. Yeah, her voice is really strong. She's singing about a topic, like, I'm going to be a great girlfriend, like, I'm, I'm going to be really good to you, that is, you know, been sung a, a million, trillion, gazillion times. Yep, sung, it, it, it has been sung to death. Yeah, but it's it's done in a, in a more interesting way. Mm-hmm. The lyrics are good, but basic. Her voice carries through. The harmonies are fantastic. I'm all in on this song. I'm all in on Aaliyah. Like, she's got an honorary place in the Now and Again Hall of Fame, I think. Absolutely. The video that I saw at least had the decency to add that R.I.P. at the end, which was good. Um, yeah. You're, you're right. Like, it's um, it's not a great written song, but it is, like, she makes it a great song. Yeah, an artist's performance. And it's, it's produced to be a good song. Right. Production is huge because, hey, guess what, folks? Um, there's bass in this pop song, and <laughs> that means you can thank Timbaland. You that. can tap your foot to it, and it's catchy. Yes. Uh, and her her performance carries it too. This was way before he became big in any any reasonable sense, right? Yeah, he's not. He's just kind of been in the background of a bunch of stuff up until now. Yeah, he's not coming out and being part of every song. Like in right. "Are You That Somebody," he does that like "Baby Girl" verse, uh, but then he kind of goes back into the into the booth. At least on Aaliyah tracks, um, he'll really, a lot of people will know his name in a couple of years when he mm-hmm. uh, produces Nelly Furtado's Loose and does Promiscuous. Right. And has that verse where, and also where he um, lets everybody know that he doesn't actually know what Promiscuous means. <laughs> it's okay. But we'll get to that in a, in a bunch of episodes. <laughs> that's that's somebody else's topic to talk about. I would have loved to slide into the universe to see like the inside of a motorcycle Aaliyah put out was <laughs> yes uh, i want it i want to do a, an amazing journey into a motorcycle yep. to uh, repair it it's the it's the president's it's the president's motorcycle you're shrinking down to go and repair it before it explodes exactly are you a bad enough dude to fix the president's <laughs> motorcycle no i'm not a bad enough dude i have to be more than a woman somebody write this home to a trailer line <laughs> uh, i would now, love to see s- now now i'm picturing that line delivered by like the um the woman who played uh, Eowyn from Return of the King, because I mean okay. that's that's essentially that exact scene, right? Well, that's that exact scene, right? Like it's gonna take like a, a really badass guy to do this, and she's like, "Well, I'm actually a lady." Ah, uh, uh, yeah, saying. and she does. Oh my god, I just got to the point of the video where she rips off that's her it. helmet, and it turns out that she is the badass motorcycle driver. Yes, exactly, right? 
Um, this, I can totally see this working. This is why we had that D&D discussion at the beginning of this. So we can bring everyone down to our nerd level at, a, at a, instead of just dragging them into it at, at third gear? Exactly. Yeah, no, you have to, you have to ease, ease them in. You can't, just, you can't just be talking about an Aaliyah song and then go right into Lord of the Rings. It just doesn't work. Oh, jeez. Yeah, no, that's, that's never happened in a conversation in the history of the world. <laughs> Aaliyah segue into Lord of the world, Rings. World first. Uh, now I want to slide into the universe where uh, she's alive and, I mean, for multiple reasons, but like, I want to know, I guarantee you she would have been able to, she wouldn't have gone away. She would not have gone away. She would have no, followed no. the trends. Yeah. She would still be doing stuff, I think. I mean, she's got a, there's a timelessness to her that like, she absolutely would have still been somebody we'd be talking about now. 100%. And I think a lot of that relies, again, on again, how good she's always been. She's got a charisma. She's great. We've talked about charisma in videos, and she has always had that since the first time she appeared. And Timbaland is ahead of his time as a producer as well. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, the two of them, that team would have gone significantly farther than they were able to go. And it really sucks that they weren't. I mean, it's entirely possible that if you do slide into that other universe... Uh, instead of promiscuous sung by Nelly Furtado and Timbaland, it's like Aaliyah and, and Timbaland, and it, it, might, it might even be better. I could see that. I could absolutely see... I mean, I could almost see a world where he fucking wrote that song for her. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, and th- the sad thing is that, like we said, this is the last video, along with Rock the Boat, that she filmed, uh, and this is the last album. We're going to get a couple of songs. Now, I don't know if they're on now is 100%. But there are songs that are going to be released in like 2003, 2004. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Biggie and Tupac and what's happening now with Prince. Songs that never really should have left the vault. Right. But whoever owns her estate trying to capitalize and releasing those those songs that never made the cut onto anything. That just kind of like almost in some ways devalue the legacy because they're just, yeah. they just never should have been out there. It's the usual kind of like vulturism you see in any kind of art. It's the reason why we have yeah. like Ghost at a Watchman now in 2000. 17 um which is something that should never have seen the light of day and did because of shitbags yeah or like cgi paul walker cgi it's it's stuff that's like it feels weird and oogie and it's just like yeah uh, i mean you can almost understand why it's happening but yeah it's not worth it in a lot of ways there's there's cases where i can totally see that being okay like um what's what's the example from i mean it's a it's a forgettable movie but the one with heath ledger where he died and, like, everybody came out to fill in different parts of that movie. Uh, um, Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. That, wow. I would have had to look that up. It's a but, yes, Terry Gilliam I mean, joint. Like, that, that's a case that is understandable. You know, it's like a bunch of this guy's friends coming out to kind of, like, uh, like do a good thing. See this done, but, like, not like this. Like, the, it would be like if they put CGI Heath Ledger into Dark Knight Rises. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm sure that went through somebody's mind. I'm sure it did. I'm I'm so glad that that didn't happen because that would that would have been oh boy. Yeah, I'm glad that they've already announced that they won't be uh CGI and Carrie Fisher into episode 9. Um yeah. cuz that just after after Rogue One, I feel like they opened a lot of uh doors that would be difficult to close and mm-hmm. that kind of slammed it on them. Yeah, I I agree. And and I'm I think it's a very sensible decision. That, I mean, it's the right decision that they made and I'm glad that they made it and um and honestly, I I really I'm I'm I I fully expect that that was not a unanimous decision, and I really hope that whoever said that they probably should still go ahead with it is no longer working there. Yeah, I mean that's that stuff we'll never be privy to, but uh, overall, I'm glad it's uh, not happening. Yep, we've got we're in that kind of zone of where we don't want to talk about the rest of this album because that's yeah, why we've been talking just... about anything else. You know, we've talked about it, especially with Nico, because he loves himself some R&B more so than me, and I, I can get into R&B, don't get me wrong. Um, but this is, the early 2000s are just a fucking black hole for R&B. Um, so let's let's burn through these pretty quickly so we can start off episode two uh, with a bang. This is B2K with Uh-huh. is a boy band at the end of the boy band run not knowing that their time is already up yeah this is um boys already being men and needing to go get real jobs <laughs> yeah um omarion is going to come from this band and he's going to have a couple of mm-hmm. pretty decent tracks in a couple of years uh we've talked about some I... of those bland r&b boy yeah. bands uh where just it 
it they harmonize better but overall the songs are just kind of there yeah i mean like i i literally i listened to the song yesterday and i can't remember a damn thing about it and i actually don't i honestly don't have much more input that i can give on this song it's just it's just like another forgettable bland r&b song that sounds like every other forgettable bland r&b song I almost want to give the song points for having a real beat, uh, whereas, as we said, a lot of songs just didn't. Uh, but right. it's not a good one. But I mean, one. like that's like, that's a that's a beat. I mean, that's a credit you can give to a, like a, a straight up pop song that's got a beat to it. That's not something that you can do for an R and B song because one of those letters means something that kind of has to be there. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have much to say uh, about the song except I imagine that uh, whereas a lot of people who saw, you know, the JTs and then and the Backstreets and the, the uh, Nick Lachey's and it was like so much of their, not so much of their popularity, but a large chunk of it was like, I, I want to have sex with that guy. Mm-hmm. This this feels really weird because this is like, I, I feel like they're maybe like 16 or 17 and they are shirtless and way more shredded than I have or will ever be in my life. <laughs> uh, and I, it's just, it's just, uh, it feels bad, yep. man. It's, I mean, it's like, it is the guy equivalent of the Britney leaning down into the camera. It's yeah. just there. Yeah. And, it's uh, a proud tradition. I get it. But it's still skewed. I get it. And uh, I'm feeling it. Uh, but the, it's a bad song. Yep. Next. Yeah. Uh, B2K. Uh-huh. More like, nuh-uh. Uh, ja Rule. <laughs> always on time. Featuring Ashanti. Always on time. Thank God there's another lady here to carry Ja Rule through a song. Yep. It's a, it's hey, a, Ashanti Rules. It's uh, an okay song. Yeah. It's it's one of the few songs that I can actually... One of the few R&B songs I remember from that time period. Yeah. Which is, I think, a credit to how often it probably got played. We've called Ja Rule kind of like a, a poor man's DMX on the show before. And that's more <laughs> when he's trying to carry his own songs. When he's doing these right. soft R&B, soft hip-hop songs. He's like a backup yeah, right. I'm cool with him being a hype man for like your Jennifer Lopez's or your Ashanti's or your Eve's or whatever. Like all day, I'm fine with that. But Ja Rule on his own, uh, you can keep it. Yeah, and, and like on its own, it's it's pretty catchy. The, the lyrics are pretty well put together. It's a decent song. I, I can't I can't remember much from the the video, but other than that, it's a pretty decent song. Yep, it's I think, it's I think fine. the video is just like the two of them singing. I mean, it's certainly not going to make April sadness. Like it's it's way better than that. Um, but at the same time, right. I mean. The fact we've had some dire R&B over the last 10 nows, like, this could easily slip into, like, the top 10 of non-R. Kelly R&B tracks we've had on Now and Again, and it's still just, like, okay. I can't wait till we get some yeah, really it's good like R&B. A, it's like a 10 with an asterisk. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm hyped for R&B to make its its big comeback, uh, but it's not happening here. Nope. So, speaking of asterisks, next is... Uh, what the fuck is this song? Jade Anderson, Sugar High. Look. Well, didn't, didn't we agree that we're skipping this one yeah, because there's no video? Look, this is an executive decision, listeners. If you don't have a music video, if you don't have a Wikipedia entry, that means that no one remembers you. Sorry. Uh, wait, I have to check again. Jade Anderson. Uh, it's cool <laughs> that according to your own personal one-paragraph Wikipedia page that your dad was some sort of musician. Um, so I'm glad you got this vanity track uh, done for you. Uh, but that and it's it's better than Friday, so don't you know? Uh, don't hate yourself that much. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm certainly gonna remember Friday longer than I'll remember this song. But I mean, yeah, that's that's not saying much about Friday. Yeah, no, I mean, Friday is to the room is like Sugar High by Jade Anderson uh, is is like a direct to Netflix horror movie. I, I like how we still can't remember her name despite the fact that it's on the screen. <laughs> yeah, I feel like. I feel like she's like the uh, the Anne Veal of now and again. It's just like her, <laughs> yeah, her. Uh, yeah. So thanks for coming, uh, Jade <laughs> Anderson. Your name does sound like you're a pro wrestler. <laughs> Speaking of weird uh, pro wrestler names, music is spelled with a Q. Soul Child with Half Crazy is gonna wrap up the first end of Now and Again, Volume Ten. Dude, I I like this. I did not expect oh, yeah. this. I'm feeling it. After the this, this kind of snuck up. I mean, like whoever whoever put this in was essentially like, okay, well they're gonna they're gonna definitely listen to the Shakira track. <laughs> so we should probably put something around there to make it not sound like this entire middle is garbage. 
Yeah, this song, this song's cool. It's it's got a rhythm, it's got a vibe. Um, yeah, it's it's a sexy jam. It's serviceable. It's a band playing real instruments, and so much of the problem yes. with R and B right now is how mechanical a lot of the beats and a lot of the like an R and B song music and vocal performance should have a feeling to it. It shouldn't sound like yeah. an eight hundred eight all the time. It should make you feel emotions that aren't boredom it should make you want to throw down you know the video is a little bit generic i mean there's a little bit more cg which is hilarious but um that's i mean and other than that it's just like them playing stuff and sitting around in rooms together right and then there's a room trashing scene that is basically um the room trashing scene from the room i noticed that as well and i dug the hell out of it it's it's pretty great i love just letting someone go and be like hey smash up this room that the prop department put together I mean, I feel bad for over to clean it up, but I don't feel that bad because it's pretty great. You got one take, man. <laughs> Just smash the shit out of this like you never smashed anything before. Yeah. I mean, he even emerges from the bathroom to do it. It's like it's almost like Tommy Wiseau saw this video before he started filming. There's not nearly enough uh, red dresses, though. No, no, there there aren't. I feel it, though. I like the song. This was a nice surprise, especially after how bland a lot of the R&B leading up to this was. And this is, you know, kind of the last R&B song in that in that middle that these nows always do uh like we said they love to segregate and uh, they, they stick all of that r&b right in the middle and it's mm-hmm. it's been bland because in 2002 r&b is kind of bland and this is really good uh i dug this i don't know the according now now they just see they have dropped the last name it's just music or music it's the q who knows yeah so maybe they're still going i don't know but i dig this song um i i wish there was more from these guys because it's different from everything else that is apparently now acceptable R&B in 2001, 2002, but I, I don't know if we're going to see any more of this, even though uh, I'd, I'd prefer this any day over more B2K. Yeah, no, absolutely. Apparently, according to the Wikipedias, this guy is still active, and it's it's just one dude. Good, good. I mean, I'm feeling this. I like this yeah. song. He's from Philly. Ah, that does and... look like Philly in, in this video, for sure, when they're outside. Yeah. You know, not a ton to say about it, but it's mm-hmm. it's a nice... Holy shit, he put, a, he put on an album last year. Oh. This guy is still working. Good. But, you know, good on good on you. Absolutely. On you. Um, I'm scrolling through the uh, the YouTube comments, because I like to do that sometimes, because sometimes there's uh, there's some real gold in there. Uh, and there's just someone who said, Daryl Jenks, uh, shout out to you, one year ago. R&B was on its last legs in the early 2000s, but I've got a great memory of this song. And yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. It's true. R and B was uh was suffering and uh this yeah. is this is different. Uh but that's also probably why uh it wasn't huge. Um this this song was nominated for a Grammy. Good. I mean the Grammys are trash, yeah. all industry awards are garbage. Yeah, no, I mean I I'm not yeah. Did you see alright, so we're at the end of this you, album. Well, we're at the end of this part of this album. We're at the end, yeah, of this episode. But real quick, uh we're gonna talk about some current events in pop music. Speaking of the Grammys and industry awards, uh real quick some uh pop current events. Uh, did you see, have you seen this woke Katy Perry bullshit? No, I haven't. Katy Perry was like, she was in an interview with Rolling Stone and she said that all of the uh, award shows are fake and all of the awards that I've won are fake. They're constructs. <laughs> That's like, oh, God. that, that, uh, that <laughs> she's on that dank lounge, man. And it's kicking yeah. in like that. That feels like a, a, a Jaden Smith tweet. Yeah, seriously. Like, is she trying to, to just bury her own career at this point? Like Seems she's like on it. this weird tangent right now. I don't know, man. I um between that and like this, like whatever r- like rivalry that I couldn't possibly give a fuck about is going on between her and uh, yeah. T Swift is like I just I don't care. Whoa, wait, holy shit! So, all right, in the green room in between, uh, well, we were taking our bathroom break. We we brought up Ska and how like uh me shitting on Ska so hard <laughs> on this podcast uh is is the most unlike high school me because high school me <laughs> loved Ska so much. Here's <laughs> Here's a headline that um, can summon old gods. Uh, Here, Calvin Harris, Pharrell, Katy Perry's bubbly ska song feels. Jesus. You can keep that, sir. Wow. (laughs) No, no, thank you. (laughs) No. Have you heard this this Swish Swish song that's apparently uh, supposed to be dragging Taylor Swift? No, I I haven't. I I don't listen to the radio ever nowadays. Like, I just kind of drive my...
Sorry about those technical difficulties at the end there. D claims he accidentally knocked his mic off of his desk, but I think he just wanted to get out of that terrible conversation. He will, of course, be back next time, so we can finish, I guess, arguably the better half of Now 10. As always, you can find us at the usual places, cageclub.me for the rest of the Cage Club Podcasting Network, at Now Again Podcast on Twitter, right into the mailbag, nowandagaincast at gmail.com. There will be another mailbag episode coming up, so get your questions in, all two of you. And until we meet again, we will catch you on the flip side. Yeah.